Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. The Sports Grid Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is here as we get you ready on this football Friday. Jamie Eisenberg will join us here on the show as we get it all started. I am solo, Craig Mish, and the show starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish with you here on the program. Good to be here and uh, taking you into the fantasy football weekend. As always, we talk fantasy sports. We talk reality sports here on this show. And uh, coming up, we'll do a little bit of a college football preview. Give you a top 25 look, both from a watching perspective and betting perspective. That's coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But Let's kind of go over some of the top stories that are happening right now in sports and in fantasy sports. Of course, you saw last night the strange ending to the Houston-Indianapolis game. It appeared as though there may have even been a fumble at the end of that game. But uh, yeah, I mean, not really challenged. And the NFL basically explained no reason to do it. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, Yeah, last night was one of those games where if you had the Colts plus the points and a lot of places online, by the way, you can buy points, you can adjust the line, but for whatever reason, some people can't on some other places. So the Colts were really the right play at the three and a half. But uh, I like Houston and recommend it if you heard on the show yesterday, try to get that down to three if you could. A lot of these games end on three, and that was a perfect example of that yesterday. Antonio Brown back in the news. Uh, according to reports, the Patriots are not interested in a reunion with Antonio Brown, which should not be shocking at this point, although they have had tons of issues to that wide receiving core and just guys who can catch the ball. I thought Mohamed Sanu was a great pickup for the Patriots, but at this point, is Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry the guy? Very rare that New England would count on a rookie wide receiver to get it done. You know, it's interesting at the beginning of the year in some of these leagues, I took Jacoby Myers, remember his name? The guy who had a the kid who had a nice uh, preseason, but he really hasn't turned out to do anything this year, and that's uh, that's kind of the dynamic that it is. Is you, you really with these receivers, it doesn't matter what team they're on. There is that growing process. I think it's fair to say for a lot of them, and very rarely do you see a guy like you know everyone uses Randy Moss as the example or Calvin Johnson as the example of a receiver that comes into the league and immediately gets a thousand yards and ten touchdowns. It doesn't happen that often. I would guess New England will find someone before the end of the season, although we are headed toward December, which means the teams run the ball a lot more. It may not even be a factor. Maybe they'll just decide, hey, look, we're going to start running the the ball a lot more and then kind of go from there. Uh, In baseball, we had some news yesterday. Yasmani Grandal signs a four-year, $73 million contract with the Chicago White Sox. I think White Sox fans are probably saying it's about time. Doesn't it feel like the White Sox rebuild has gone on and on and on. Like the White Sox rebuild started fully, I suppose, when they traded Chris Sale to Boston. That feels like 10 years ago. It was really was not. But 
Some of these rebuilds in baseball take longer than others. And now the White Sox are basically saying that they're prepared to win. Uh, they're, you know, they have good starting pitcher, uh, Reynaldo Lopez and Giolito. They'll get Kopech back. Their hitting is, is clearly good. Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, now Yasmani Grandal. Maybe this is the year that the White Sox compete for something. They've, uh, it's definitely been four years since they've been even relevant in any kind of way. And a good sign for there for the fan base. I think that when teams go through these rebuilds in any sport, you want to have a shelf life on it. You don't want to be the Knicks for like 20 years, you know? You, you tear it down within a three or four year period. You got to show some promise. You saw it with Houston. Houston lost 100 games three straight years and then 90 in the fourth. Cubs, same thing. Philly, same thing. Braves, same thing. So 76ers had to trust the, po- the process for like 10 years. You never want to go that long. You lose interest. The fan base lose interest. I see it here in South Florida. It's the same thing with Miami. The Marlins are in year two of probably another year of a, a third full year of a rebuilding type process. And Hopefully the White Sox, this is their step because you, you just can't do it forever. It doesn't work. Uh, speaking of which, Garrett Cole is the, still the hot free agent name, the hot topic. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. For me, it just simply doesn't, I, it sucks, but it simply doesn't make any sense for any of these top free agents to sign now when they can stretch this out into December, January, and February and knowing that the two big free agents last year got paid $300 million for waiting. Makes a lot of sense. And so that's kind of where Garrett Cole is at. I would guess that any team that is willing to spend $300 million gets to come to the table. And I think that uh, Cole probably, you know, Angels is a possibility. Dodgers is a possibility. And uh, it, it could be a possibility, I would say, even for uh, the Yankees to jump back in there. I don't think you ever can eliminate the Yankees. But the one team that I think that's poised to make some big moves, and it's interesting that Mike Trout popped off a little bit yesterday saying that he's waiting for his team to make big It's definitely the Angels, right? Like the Angels can't be the stepchild of the Dodgers forever. And you can't have the best player in the league just sitting there and and not winning and not doing anything. And I know that they're hamstrung a little bit by the Pujols deal, and I get it, and they had a tragedy last year, horrible. But uh, this has got to be a year where I think that the Angels get uh, a lot better. Um, Christian McCaffrey, for those of you who play Madden, I don't know if you caught this yesterday, big story for the millennials out there who were playing Madden. Now, uh, full disclosure, I haven't played Madden in a long time. I'm just now getting back into Xbox again. My seven-year-old son begged for a year for an Xbox. We finally got one. And so now I got that. I'm, I'm back on that. I had never even, pl- honestly, sad. I had never played Xbox before. You know, maybe a couple times here or there, like somebody's house. So now we got this RBI baseball and my son's enjoying it. So I couldn't tell you about these Madden ratings and why everybody's getting upset about it. Sound like the old guy yelling at a cloud. That's fine. But Christian McCaffrey gets a uh, joins the 99 club. In Madden football, I, I guess this is a big this is a big deal. The 99 club in Madden. Okay, fair enough. Youngest to ever do it. He's on pace to break Chris Johnson's all-time record from scrimmage. And the other running backs who got the 99 club, how did they get the 99 club if Madden wasn't around back then? Hmm. Chris Johnson, Barry Sanders, Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Adrian Peterson. What took them so long? But yet you have to, I mean, how, how much better could McCaffrey have been? Coming off the year that he had last year. Strange. Uh, also, rest in peace to Fred Cox, the inventor of the Nerf football. He's the Vikings all-time leading scorer. And he uh, never missed a game in 15 years. Amazing. 
uh, invented the Nerf ball. And I think at some point, all of us will remember this kicker because we had a Nerf ball. Some you you if you are basically, let's call it 30 years or younger and I'm 45, but 30 years or younger, you had a Nerf ball at some point in your collection. Now, it may not have lasted long and your dog may have bitten it and it may have gotten destroyed. That's true. But everyone loved Nerf. And uh, Fred Cox at 80 years old. Rest in peace. All right. So we're off and running here for the second hour of the show on Fantasy Sports Today. We got plenty to get to. Coming up next, we're going to get into the college football schedule for the weekend. So that's always fun. We'll talk about the top 25. After that, Jamie Eisenberg joins us from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. We will discuss what happened last night in the Colts and Texans and then preview the weekend. We've got the two minute drill. And then at the top of the hour, we've got Dr. Roto in full time fantasy. Plenty of injury notes to get to, plenty of issues surrounding your team in the NFL, in which could be the next two weeks, do or die time to make the fantasy football playoffs. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. If you're listening live, very cool on the FNTSY radio app. If not, make sure that you give us five stars, rate and review and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today. I've got the top 25 preview coming up next. Does Penn State stand a chance against Ohio State in less than 24 hours from now at the Horseshoe? We'll get into that and a whole lot more right here on Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish, and after a couple of minutes of messages, I'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you here on the show. We got a big college football weekend ahead, as always. And to give you a little bit of an idea on some of the games, let's take a look at the top 25 while we have a few moments here on FST on this Friday. The biggest game, the one that everyone will be paying attention to, doesn't look like a big game on paper, which is Penn State, Ohio State. Now, this one's a hard one to figure. Uh, there, there really, as I talked about yesterday on the show, not a lot of strong conviction for taking Penn State. Ohio State is just kind of playing at another level right now. They beat Rutgers last week, 56 to 21. Not that that is a huge uh, positive for anything, but look at these some of these wins that they've had. Against Maryland, 73 to 14. Northwestern, 52 to 3. Nebraska, 48 to 7. Miami, Ohio, 76 to 5. Buckeyes can score some points. And for the most part, it just seems like most people believe that they will cover this line. 18 point spread. Pretty uh, incredible. Ohio, uh, Ohio State. Yeah, they'll play at noon. We got Oklahoma State, West Virginia. OSU has played much better lately, but they got a major issue going into this game. 21 ranked uh, team coming into the country uh, last year. Wild game. 45-41 OSU won. But. This week, no Spencer Sanders at quarterback for them. So the line went from about seven and a half to five and a half. Total went down about two points. That is a noon Eastern start as well as Oak State still playing for some pretty big bowl games uh, from the first on. Uh, Auburn's got a, a cupcake on Saturday. They play a noon against Samford before their big matchup against Alabama next week. Always a fun game to see those two teams play. Illinois and Iowa. 
Iowa uh, plays very well at home. Uh, not so good at, on the road. Illinois is probably enjoying one of their best seasons in a long time under Lovey Smith. They're six and four, and so they're bowl eligible at this point. The Hawkeyes are seven and three, and they are fifteen point favorites in this game with the total only being forty six and a half. So we'll see if Iowa can even score fifteen points. To be honest with you, in this game, their offense isn't that great. Uh, Iowa State's back in the top twenty five after their win last week against Texas. Kansas has kind of fallen apart a little bit after what looked like was a pretty good start for them, but it's more of a rebuild and less miles first year there. Uh, Iowa state six and four on the season, fourth in the big 12, four and three in conference. And they have made Iowa state a 24 and a half point favorite over Kansas. I would expect them to win. Uh, Northwestern has had all kinds of problems scoring. Oh, and seven in the conference and have really had a tough time. Now, Minnesota had that expected plunge back last week after that great win against Penn State, but they've made them a 13 and a half point favorite at Northwestern with a total only at 39 and a half. So expect a very low scoring game in this one. Notre Dame uh, take on Boston College. Both teams can score. Certainly some people feel Notre Dame will be tested in this one by BC as BC can get into a bowl game with a win. They lost to FSU last time out 38 to 31. They're five and five on the season. Notre Dame you know, is headed toward a big bowl game for sure. They're ranked 16th in the country. Appalachian State is back in the top 25. They've won two in a row, five and one in the conference. They take on a Texas State team that hasn't won a game on the road this season. App State is very good at home. This is a very big line as well, 29-point favorites. Texas A&M at Georgia, is this a game where the Bulldogs struggle and everything gets shaken up? Probably not. But stranger things have happened, and this is an SEC matchup. A&M has won four straight games. Georgia, of course, since that South Carolina debacle, has come back strong. They're 9-1 on the season. Last uh, they, this team, these, I'm, I don't think they've played in like a decade, these two teams. So this is going to be the first time that these two teams have played in almost 10 years. Texas A&M and Georgia, 3.30 Eastern start. Michigan has their showdown with Ohio State coming up, which is their biggest game of the season for sure. Indiana's offense has played fantastic. Their defense, not so much, but the Wolverines are back on a roll again. If they win this one, they'll probably be back in the top 10 or eight and two on the season. But Indiana is seven and three. This could be a interesting matchup with the Wolverines minus nine in this game. Baylor and Texas. Boy, did, did any team lose a game worse than Baylor did last week? They moved down to 14th in the country after that loss to Oklahoma. They're five and a half point favorites with the total at 59 and a half, 330. Eastern start. USC takes on UCLA and uh, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback for USC has been phenomenal. They have won two games in a row. Uh, Last year, UCLA uh, did not, did not uh, fare well until very late in the game. They came back and beat USC 34 to 27. This has not been a good year for Chip Kelly, but he can get some salvation with a win this week against USC uh, on USC's home turf. SMU 5-0 and at home. They had that one tough loss. They're at Navy this week. Very, very tough one to call here because Navy has been fantastic. 7-2 and on the season. SMU now ranked back in the top 25. Very high total also in this game. Not much defense from SMU. 67 and a half. Purdue's at Wisconsin. We know what's up with Purdue. They're not good. Wisconsin's a 24-point favorite in this one. Memphis on the road, also struggling on defense, playing great on offense. They've won four games in a row. South Florida now falling back to four and six. Memphis needs a win to share first place in the AAC West. 
I think at this point, it's safe to say USF is going to be making a lot of moves in the offseason. This line was much higher, actually. 16, it's gone down to 14 and a half. Four o'clock Eastern start Memphis and South Florida. Uh, Arkansas is at LSU. It's the biggest point spread in the history of the Southeastern Conference between two teams. LSU, a 44-point favorite against the hapless Arkansas Razors who haven't won a game in the SEC this year and have lost seven straight games. LSU beat Arkansas a few years back. They haven't played because of just the SEC scheduling 24-17. to Cincinnati has had a very quiet good year. No one seems to be noticing in the AAC as the Bearcats have won eight straight games and they are 5-0 and at home. They take on 7-3 and Temple, also a pretty good team. Cincinnati is 10.5 point favorites in this game. Oregon State's chase toward the college football playoff continues this week at Arizona State. They're 15 point favorites. As a promising season for ASU has gone in the crapper, started off five and one. They've lost four games in a row. Oregon has secured the Pac-12 North, but now they have to try and get to that college football championship and a dangerous place to play in Arizona State this week. We'll see if they're able to win and cover. Oklahoma takes on TCU. They're 18 and a half point favorites up and down season for sure from TCU, but they can get into a bowl if they win this one. Uh, They're up against it for sure, though, as Oklahoma enters this one as a 18 and a half point favorite. And in case you're wondering on these totals, Oklahoma seems to go over every game. The total is 65 in this game. That's an eight o'clock Eastern start. Utah uh, is nine to one. Utah also looking for a bid in the Pac-12 championship game. These, te- these two teams played last year in October. Utah crushed them 42 to 10. Arizona, after their strong start, have lost five straight games and are headed nowhere this bowl season. So I would expect Utah to roll over Arizona also on Saturday night, although the line is 22 and a half. Boise State does what they do. They have all kinds of quarterback issues. No one is really sure exactly who is going to play a quarterback for Boise this week. They've won three games in a row. Utah State has come on strong. Uh, BSU needed everything to beat them last year, 33 to 24. Could be a tight game on Saturday night between Boise State and Utah State. And that is more or less the top 25 college football scoreboard and college football games for the weekend. Uh, Next week's going to be a huge week. I mean, you have the Thanksgiving night game between Mississippi and Mississippi State. And then you got all kinds of college football on Friday. You got college football on Saturday. And then we head toward the championship games in college football and then the Army-Navy game and then the bowl season begins. So we'll cover it all here on FST and we'll continue on here on the show as coming up next, we're joined by Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Jamie and I will discuss the Colts and Texans from last night. We'll get a full preview of the weekend as well. Don't forget, if you're listening to the show live, make sure you also download some of the podcast apps where you can listen to us on demand, which would include the FNTSY app, as well as the iTunes, Stitcher, and any of the other places where you hear a podcast. Also, if you wouldn't mind, please like and subscribe to the show so it gets populated and sent right to your inbox every single day or wherever you listen to your podcasts as well. I'm Craig Mish here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll take a short time out. Jamie Eisenberg next for about 30 minutes. Top of the hour. Dr. Roto is in from 2 to 3 Eastern. He's got you covered for full-time fantasy right here on FNTSY. And don't forget, tomorrow at the FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook, check out Zumo TV, Pluto TV, and of course, SportsGrid TV for all of our great programming, both on fantasy and wagering. We'll be right back with more right here on Fantasy Sports Today on this Friday, November 22nd, 2019. Don't go away.
BetOnline.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com. Dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros. DailyRoto.com optimizer and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS. Lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. 10% off. Here's how you get it. Just visit DailyRoto.com and use the promo code DUNK. That's D-U-N-K. DailyRoto.com slash DUNK. DailyRoto.com is where millionaires are made. Well, after making millions and millions of dollars in the fantasy industry, Jamie Eisenberg joins us each and every week right here on Fantasy Sports Today. And happy weekend to you, Jamie. What's going on? Um, I, I wish I made that much money. No, um, I've seen I've seen you. Millions and millions. Uh, maybe for other people, hopefully. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going well. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I uh, I thought last night's game was was entertaining, a pretty good game, right down to the wire, and you know the merits of of the end game bizarreness, of course, always you know factors in. But uh, you know a slow start to the game, Jamie, in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden the offenses came alive a little bit. That was one I think Houston had to have. There's there was probably a lot more pressure on them than there was on Indianapolis. And and I suppose the big takeaway from the game last night was you're drafting a receiver in the first round named DeAndre Hopkins. You've kind of struggled through the season. He's been okay. He hasn't been a bust, so to speak. He's been okay. I don't know if he's going to grade out as a first-round value, but then all of a sudden, last night was exactly what you were looking for, let's say, a half dozen times this season. Fortunately for Hopkins owners, you got it at a very pivotal time, I'm guessing, for your fantasy team. Yep, and and he was was obviously bad last week uh, from what the expectations were, but I think he had to sort of understand that with the way Baltimore's defense has been playing. But I think, you know, the... The, the Texans, you know, this was kind of what you're hoping to see with Will Fuller back, that Deshaun Watson would play better. And, you know, Fuller looks like he could be somebody that can be reliable when healthy um, as at least a number three receiver, you know, with a chance to be a starter, depending on the matchups next week, probably not so much because of facing the Patriots. But, you know, that uh, that Hopkins still had a big game because we've seen his targets go down when Will Fuller's been on the field. You know, so uh, he still had nine. That was great. Um, the, the Colts' run defense is very good. You know, so Carlos Hyde with a 33-yard run sort of saved his day if he started him to get him to 67. But I thought it was going to be a game where Deshaun Watson would have to put the ball in the air, and thankfully getting Fuller back helped his number. But, yeah, Hopkins is, is, is a star among stars, and, you know, these are the type of games you expect when you draft him in the first round. Uh, and and we're, we're heading toward the end of the regular season, and he was arguably, and, and you'd have to correct me, I apologize if I'm wrong on this one, but he was arguably the number one receiver taken in every fantasy draft this year. Yep. To, ex- yep. to, ex- to expand the conversation, has, has Michael Thomas surpassed him for 2020? I understand we still have four or five games left for these teams to play, but if drafts were happening in 2020 and you're going to CBSSports.com and you're checking out Jamie Eisenberg's mock drafts for 2020, is Thomas ahead of Hopkins at this stage of the game for you next year? If Drew Brees is still back, most likely yes. Uh, I think we saw enough of a sample size with Teddy Bridgewater that Michael Thomas was still great. So I'll say yes, regardless of the quarterback. But it's an easier thing to say if Brees is there, without a doubt, Michael Thomas has passed DeAndre Hopkins. And that's saying a lot because Hopkins is fantastic. Yeah, and I would imagine Houston 
even with I mean, Hyde has actually been more serviceable than, than people thought. I think Duke Johnson has shown exactly who he is, which is fine. But I think Houston, uh, regardless of what Lamar Miller comes back healthy or not, I think that you're going to see them attack a running back in the draft for sure, either in the uh, later rounds or just someone that can challenge Lamar Miller and, and Duke Johnson next year for sure on the Houston side. Okay, so on the Indianapolis side, their game plan seemed to be, JB, we're just going to keep running the ball until the clock runs out and hopefully Vinatieri won't miss a field goal. And, and that worked for a while. You know, it, it actually seemed to be working. Their running game was going well. Uh, the fab budget worked out for Jonathan Williams because he ended up scoring. Even Hines, I thought, looked uh, fairly good in that game yesterday. But, you know, Marlon Mack's situation is a little bit muddled. Do you think that in the fantasy playoffs, there's a chance that Jonathan Williams could be starting on fantasy teams? Uh, for sure. You know, and it, it was uh, it was obviously frustrating from the standpoint of, you know, with Jordan Wilkins coming back, was it clear cut that Jonathan Williams was going to be the guy? We got the report just before the game from the NFL Network that they were going to lean on Williams. So, for the people who did invest in him and started him, it was a good situation. You know, it was a little surprising because the Texans' run defense had been really good over the course of the year. They got beat up a little bit by Baltimore, but I think he's sort of throw that game out with the way the Ravens started playing because they're just going to run on everybody. Um, so, the fact that Williams shows you this with the workload, most importantly, that absolutely, as long as Marlon Mack is out, he's going to be a starter for your fantasy team, and we'll see how the Titans' run defense comes out of this game against the Jaguars because that's the Colts' next opponent. And so, if they're beat up, uh, you know, or conversely, if they shut down Leonard Fournette, you know, maybe you have to sort of just evaluate your fantasy team. But I, I think with what the Colts have been doing and how they should continue to operate, you got to be excited about Jonathan Williams until Mack is back. Yeah, Colts' offensive line is, is just really good. And, and basically, whoever they put behind there is good, too. I'm curious to see what the future looks like for them as well. Uh, on the flip side, the receiving situation for the Colts wasn't great. I, I don't think too many people were forced into situations to start Pascal once early afternoon. You found out that T.Y. Hilton was going to play. So I'm guessing that only the deepest of leagues, you got that goose egg from Pascal. But, Jamie, it's, it's a season and, and a very similar season, unfortunately, for T.Y. Hilton who when he's on the field and when he's healthy and when he's in a groove, the Colts are a much better football team. And he is a rock solid, really back end wide receiver one wide receiver two, but he had some drops yesterday and, and me, I don't know, maybe they brought him back too soon. I'm not really sure, but man, I mean, he is a dynamic player in the NFL. Uh, the Colts, I, I believe they signed Funches in the off season, paid him a lot of money. I haven't seen one thing from this guy this year. They just desperately need someone reliable on the other side of Hilton. And I think if they get that, then they could be much better. But I guess I just got to give the Colts credit for going through what they've gone through all year, Jamie, and still somehow finding a way to stay in this race. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's a credit to, you, you mentioned it, the offensive line. It, it was, uh, you know, part of the reason why you, you liked a lot of these Colts players, or uh, I, I liked a lot of these Colts players, and, you know, um, even after Andrew Luck retired was because, you know, when you have protection, it, it helps out a lot of things. Now, you look at what this passing game has sort of evolved into, and you mentioned Devin Funches, they're hoping to get him back. He's been out all season. So if he's able to be healthy, you know, maybe that's something that helps this offense and helps Brissett. But I just don't see their, their strategy changing, you know, because their defense has played well, because I think, you know, Jacoby Brissett still managing through that knee injury to knock them out for a game. Uh, maybe that's still a factor. Um, T.Y. Hilton coming back, you know, that will certainly change some things. This was a, a rough game for him, you know, and, and you probably heard, you know, the broadcast saying that they did have him on a pitch count. Um, if you didn't just see that yourself. So I, I think this was the shake the rust off game for him. The fact that he's got 10 days now to come back. And so that Titans game, it's a big game, you know, clearly with, uh, you know, now that they're behind the Texans. So right. you should feel comfortable with T.Y. Hilton as a starter. We'll see if they get, if they get Funches back, but this is going to be a very run oriented offense. And, and I think, you know, they, they showed you that they have the confidence in their fourth string running back 
to be the catalyst of their team in a big division game on a Thursday night road matchup. So that's probably not going to change very much moving forward. Is Funchess a pickup in any league? I, I can't even imagine that he's owned unless you have that IR spot where you no, can yeah. Guy. yeah. I, I would imagine that's the case, too. Uh, look, it, 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 we've seen Pascal have some good games. Most of us been with T.Y. Hilton off the field. I, I just don't see them, okay, we get Devin Funches back. Let's flip the offense. You know, it's just it, they've been a low-volume passing attack all year long. And I liked Brissett going into the game last week simply from the standpoint of he beat up on the Texans the last time. Their run defense had been very good. And I thought that Deshaun Watson would put up some numbers, so Brissett would put up some numbers, and they just did not allow Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball very much on top of the fact that he got let down by some drops by uh, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, no doubt. Jamie Eisenberg is with us from CBS Sports, cbsports.com. Uh, that kind of covers the fantasy angle. Let me cover the reality angle here for a minute. I'm not big on Houston at all, and I, and I would not be shocked to see them. I mean, they, I just I don't think they're a good football team, and I don't love the coaching either. It's you know, But they did eke out the win, so I'll give them that. On the, on the Colts' side, Jamie, was that the game that we're going to look back last night and think that that did them in for the playoffs? Or do you think that there's still a chance that they can kind of sneak in there? I know that Houston needed that game to split the series, and so all kinds of tiebreakers would be involved in the end. Do you still do you see still Houston as the favorite here, or is there a chance that Indy gets hot here at the end and, and gets in? What do you think? I still view Houston as a favorite because it's a quarterback league. When you look at the division, he's the best quarterback by far in Deshaun Watson. Um, but they're now a game apart. The Texans have a one-game lead. Realistically, when you take a step back from it, Texans host the Patriots next week. I'm going to guess you probably think the Patriots win that game? Probably. Okay. Colts host the Titans. I'm going to guess you probably think the Colts win that game? Oh, uh, yeah, but not a guarantee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a guarantee. So no. they're, then they're tied going into week 14. You know, right. So it's still a wide-open race between these two teams. And um, I, I would not be shocked if, you know, it's funny because the, the best coach in the division is probably Frank Reich. You know, oh, yeah. so, you know, so it's a, it's a quarterback coach uh, situation here. And so, um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think Reich did the right thing going forward on fourth down there with the way mm-hmm. his defense have been playing and the fact that they were still holding the Texans to 20 points. But, you know, uh, every coach is entitled to a bad decision every now and then. Yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, Thursday Night Football in general, we're going to head toward uh, Thanksgiving next week. So Jamie will have the week off. We won't recap games. We'll come back the following week. And we're, we're coming to the end of of the Thursday night football schedule, only a couple of games left. Uh, how would you assess these from a fantasy perspective, Jamie? I feel like some games gave us more than we expected in fantasy. Some gave us about what we expected. Some gave us a little bit less. The primetime games have actually picked up considerably in terms of interest and in terms of end game. A lot of these games have gone down to the wire lately, so I want to uh, correct the first six weeks of the season, which I thought they were more or less a dud. Uh, are you a fan? Do you remain a fan of these games on Thursday night? I know it piques interest for you guys over at CBS Sports. For me, it's always that tough dynamic of when to play and when to sit the guy on Thursday. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love it um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, the, the on play certainly has been not as crisp and as good. And I thought, you know, last night's game was sort of indicative of that. You, you sort of set it up that way, that the first half was a little slow and boring, and then the second half they picked things up a little bit because, you know, you're feeling yourself out after – you know, just playing three days ago, three days prior, and, and you know, trying to, uh, you know, get your mind and your body back into a, a, a football game. It's always tough to play in the NFL. Um, I also don't like it from a work standpoint because, yeah, uh, true, you know, true. I have to get all my stuff done on Wednesday uh, where it would be nice to have a couple extra days to sort of digest and go through some matchup stuff. So um, it is what it is. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's uh, part of what our, our our coverage of the league is and, and how the, the league will operate. And, you know, you just sort of uh, take it for what it's worth. Yep. Jamie Eisenberg with us, CBS Sports, cbsports.com. He's been doing it for, I believe, almost two decades of uh, fantasy football. No, coverage. no, no, no. This is my, my 14th year at CBS. And so prior to that, I was just uh, a lowly newspaper guy. 
like I said, almost two decades of uh, <laughs> 15 years, almost 15 years. All right. Uh, let's take a quick. Well, he did it with me on TV, though, on Mikasuki Sports Shop. All right. Let, let's Perfect. take a, qu- a quick time out on fantasy sports today. We'll come back. I want to dive into some of these games this week. Man, there are some low NFL totals. So who in the world is going to do what? We'll find out next with Jamie. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. We've got totals in the NFL. Jacksonville, Tennessee, 41. Giants, Bears, 40. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, 39. So, I don't know. Maybe we're going to struggle to find points this week. I'm not really sure. I want to start off with one of these low total games, Jamie, because I cannot figure this one out. And I know this goes aside with the you know wagering and the betting perspective. And, I, you know, usually when I see something and it looks so wrong that it's right. And this is the one that stands out to me this week. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Perhaps you can explain it to me. And by the way, maybe there'll be a lot more points than is expected in this one. Explain to me how the the Bears can be six and a half point favorites, Jamie, in any game in the NFL this season over any team. Uh, You know, I mean, the Bengals included, the Dolphins included. They are six and a half point favorites over the Giants. I, in a big way, Jamie, need this Montgomery and I need this Allen Robin. Like, I need these guys to do something for me to win a championship. I'm going to get to the playoffs regardless of them. Do I have any hope this week against the Giants that Montgomery, Allen Robinson, and of course, Mitch Trubisky do something? This is a, a bizarre looking game to me this week. Uh, it is. It's funny because I was thinking about you last weekend when we were talking about the Washington Jets. Yeah, over under, which was thirty nine points, and then Sam Darnold went out and played well, and, and actually Dwayne Haskins uh, played well. Also, um, you know, it's one of those situations where sometimes you know bad defenses lend itself to good offensive performances. So I think, for the Bears' perspective, should they be six and a half point favorites? Probably not, um, especially if the Giants get back some of the guys that they're getting back. But um, you know, from the situation of Montgomery, he's done a nice job when he's had the chance to. You know, get extended work. Uh, I think that'll be the case this week just because the Giants' run defense is so bad. So even in some tough spots the last couple of weeks, he's gotten 14 or more carries. Uh, Robinson, I think you buy back in. The fact that he got shut down by um, uh, by Jalen Ramsey last week is probably what that game was, and I think that's kind of you know something that you can look at and say it's going to happen to a lot of receivers. Um, so I like his scenario. And then in terms of the quarterback situation, you know, we'll find out if, in fact, it was a hip injury, uh, if, if Trubisky plays. But what happens if Trubisky has a bad first quarter? Is it, hey, your hip's bothering you again, go sit down? <laughs> or yeah, it's, uh, yeah. you know, um, listen, you're just not good anymore uh, and probably never were and probably never will be. Um, and we're going to go to uh, Chase Daniel to try and salvage our season here. So, um, And I don't think necessarily think that would be a bad thing either way for uh, for Robinson, Montgomery, or Tariq Cohen because those are really the only options that the Bears that you're starting right now. Maybe Taylor Gabriel if, uh, if you're stuck for a third receiver in a three-receiver league. You've been on all season long. I don't think that I've ever heard you say something that I completely disagree with the whole year. Like, this is the first time. I mean, honestly, you thought Haskins played well 
last week against the Jets? No, 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 no. Not played well. His fantasy production. Oh, his fantasy so played well. Points. Okay, so yes. Oh, you, yeah. get, you get 20 points out of Dwayne Haskins, you're, you're thrilled to death. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I just thought he looked awful. I mean, I... I yeah, oh, no. I did yeah. for sure. Yeah, but for uh, in, in, terms, in terms of his fantasy points, like oh, if you were telling me before the game, hey, you're getting 20 points out of Dwayne Haskins. What? Huh? Who? Yeah, it's like, you know who it's like? The Winston. The Winston factor. Every game, Winston's going to have 15, 20 fantasy points, but he's going to throw a few picks in the, you know, in the interim. You know, that's that's yep. you know, probably what's going to happen. Uh, okay, so grab me uh, grab me some fantasy points from the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, Jamie. Who, 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 give me the options here. Who am I starting on Pittsburgh yep. in, any, in any DFS I love, or fantasy I love, league? I love Jalen Samuels. You know, I, I just think the Bengals' run defense has been so bad, and you know, we've seen enough of sample size when James Conner's out and Samuels is healthy that his work in the passing game will be fantastic. Uh, he's had four games this season with 10 or more touches. He's been, uh, I think, 12 or more PPR points in, in three of them um, with some big games along the way. One of those was against the Bengals when he was the trigger man of the Wildcats in week four. Um, so I think the setup is great for him with, uh, with Conner not expected to play. And then it becomes a little bit more of a gamble. Um, you know, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster will be out there. We'll find out what the health is of Deontay Johnson because he's been practicing, but still in the concussion protocol. So if you don't have both of those receivers, then James Washington, who as bad as things were against the Browns, you know, you just look for some glimmers of hope. He was their leading receiver in that game because Juju and, and uh, Johnson left because of injury. Uh, the game before that against the Rams, he had a big game, you know, so mm-hmm. I would imagine that he has a chance for, you know, an uptick in targets. And then Vance McDonald's had seven targets each of the last three games. The Bengals have given up the big games, the tight ends of late. Uh, you know, you go back to, uh, the Baltimore game a couple weeks ago where it was Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews, and, you know, you can sort of save Vance McDonald's in between those two talents. So if you're getting seven targets against the Bengals, I'll buy back into that if I need a streamer for this week. So uh, I think, you know, Samuels must play um, Washington, maybe depending on injury, and then McDonald if you need a streamer. And then in a deeper format, uh, Benny Snell, because when we've seen the, the Steelers down Connor and in some cases down Connor or Samuels, they've given Trey Edmonds had a, a 12 or 17 carry game and Snell had a 17 carry game against the Chargers a few weeks ago. So I think if you're really stuck in a deeper league, you can look at Benny Snell. Yeah, I, uh, Snell in a dynasty league is mine from watching Kentucky uh, roll over Florida there with Snell there. So I'm hoping eventually he does something. Jamie is with us from CBS Sports, CBSSports.com. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's go back to them here for a minute. Uh, they seem to uh, either score a lot of points or give up a lot of points, and that always is good for fantasy. There's no doubt about that. In fact, they've played 10 games this season, eight of them. Eight of them have gone over the Vegas total, so you could have bought yourself a nice holiday gift just by simply just going with that trend all season long. Does that continue this week, Jamie, against Atlanta? I know that uh, everyone is saying the same thing. The narrative is O'Brien's not calling the plays, and so therefore the defense is better. Okay, I could buy that for a week. I could buy that for two weeks. This is the week that I think we're going to find that out because the Buccaneers can sling it. We know that. Is this Does this game script play out the way it's supposed to this week with Tampa Bay and Atlanta? I think so. Uh, it's the highest over-under of the week, you know, and you mentioned some of the stinkers, so this one's expected to go over 50. Um, you know, I don't know how much uh, you want to buy into the defense, like you said, uh, with Dan Quinn sort of releasing the, the reins to Raheem Morris and the defensive staff there. You've seen a change. You know, the, the Saints game obviously is the one that everybody's going to point to because they held that New Orleans offense to nine points in New Orleans. And then you look at the Carolina, you know, performance, and they you know turned over Kyle Allen four times. Right. But Christian McCaffrey went for 191 total yards. Now, he's clearly a, a freak of nature and just a, a superstar. So he was going to get his numbers regardless. So I think from the, the Winston standpoint, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, the roller coaster is what it is. It's going to be 300 yards. It's going to be multiple touchdowns. It's probably going to be multiple turnovers. Yeah. Um, 
and they're going to struggle to run the ball. So it clearly keeps Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at the top of the rank list and, and, and worth starting week in, week out. I think Jameis is in the uh, the low-end starting range on a weekly basis, even in this matchup against Atlanta. And if you like to look at historical trends, go check out what Jameis has done against Atlanta in his career. It's the one team that he has consistent success against. His last five meetings against them, he's averaging almost 320 yards per game. He has 18 total touchdowns in those five games, only three interceptions in those five games, so he doesn't typically turn the ball over there. So we'll see if this Atlanta defense is for real, if Jameis can sort of rein in the mistakes, then I think it'll be good. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, I think Atlanta's going to put up a big number against Tampa Bay because, like you said, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it, it really is. And I would say this about Atlanta's defense. First of all, it's the same players, okay? So I understand schemes can change, and that's fine. Uh, and I don't want to you know, downplay what the Falcons' defense has done, but I watch every game, and they didn't play that great against New Orleans. New Orleans got into the red zone a billion times. They just couldn't score. They kept kicking field goals in that game. And and look, they did pick Kyle Allen a bunch of times, but you know what? Kyle Allen's thrown more interceptions than anybody in the NFL over the last three weeks, too. So, uh, look, Atlanta's defense may play great in this game, too, but I do think Tampa Bay is going to get theirs uh, you know, in this in this game, no doubt about that. Uh, another one that's tough to call for me. I will say this, though, just because we talked about him a few few times. Yeah. Brian Hill is a little tough to trust, just because Tampa Bay. Oh yeah, yeah, no, run, for sure. Run defense yeah. has been good, and I wonder if they maybe start to give Kadri Allison a couple more looks, just to see if maybe he could help spark this run game a little yeah, bit. At this point, you got to go with it. I mean, even Scarborough. I mean, I would have never thought Scarborough would have factored into the conversation with the Lions, but again, you know, it's uh, these running backs that are going to start in the fantasy playoffs. People forget Jamal Williams was a star in the fantasy Super Bowl last year. Uh, Raiders, yeah, that's true too. Uh, Raiders, Jets, uh, Jamie, you mentioned Darnold. He made one big mistake against the Redskins, but you're right. The rest of the game was very solid, made good throws. He threw a pick that was almost a pick six. The only time the Redskins almost scored was was on his interception. And the Raiders just seem to be cruising along here with a an extremely committed running game. I noticed that Jacobs popped up on the injury report. It's not practicing a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of days, excuse me. But I, I believe that's probably just like rookie rest. I'm guessing for him. Uh, is, it's been is like this, that every week. Every, oh, every week. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, his, I know his shoulder was banged up. Is, is there any interest in, in any of the options in this game? And I, and I would like you to speak about this kid, uh, Griffin, the tight end from the Jets who came over from Houston and all of a sudden in the last half a dozen games has been, what, a top five tight end in fantasy? He's been very good. You know, and it, it, the frustrating thing is this is what we were hoping for Chris Herndon, you know, just to have this chance uh, in an Adam Gase offense. You know, you can sort of knock Adam Gase all you want to, but um, when he's had a tight end that he's liked, uh, and and most of it has been Julius Thomas with Peyton Manning when he was the coordinator there, but um, he got good numbers out of his Chicago tight ends as a group. He got good numbers out of his Dolphins tight end in his first year there as a group. So it's a position of, of strength for an Adam Gase offense. And so we're not seeing a ton of targets for Ryan Griffin, but he's doing a nice job with those targets. And so easy scenario to buy into because the Raiders have struggled against tight ends for the majority of the year. So uh, he, he's got a chance to be a starter for you and, and taking advantage of the uh, Chris Herndon absence. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a, an interesting game because the Raiders, another team that's played well defensively the last two weeks, but some of that is circumstantial. They played Ryan Finley last week. We know he's terrible, uh, still learning his way through the NFL. And then the week before that, it's Phillip Rivers, who seems to be just uh, on his last leg. So take that for what it's worth in terms of their defensive performances. But their pass rush has been better, and so we'll find out if Darnold can hold up in that regard. But I still think you buy into him as a streamer, and you start him this week if you need him. Um, and then for the uh, for the Raiders, it, it's an interesting setup because you look at the last four quarterbacks against the Jets, and this is an all-star group. Gardner Minshew, uh, Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Dwayne Haskins. I mean, if you can't find four better quarterbacks than that, I don't know where you look. Um <laughs> All four over 20 fantasy points. 
So if Carr does not play well here, it'd be a surprise. You know, and like you said, the, the run game has been fantastic for Oakland. But Carr's been a decent fantasy quarterback, you know, in that stretch yes. as well. So yeah. I, I think he's worth, you know, starting um, this week also. And hopefully he takes advantage of this uh, of the set defense. The one concern would be the West Coast, East Coast with the early start. Um, but still, I think it should be a, it, it should have a chance to be a fun game. You know, it should be a little bit more high scoring than I think people expect. Yeah, it, it very well could be. All right, um, let, let's end with this one. Dallas and New England. I, I know what to expect exactly from Dallas, and I know what the Patriots' defense is. But realistically, Jamie, uh, I would expect Brady to play better at some point offensively than he has more or less all season long. So I'm looking for some targets here for the Patriots. Uh, Sanu was announced he's going to be out a couple of weeks. Dorsett has been hurt. Uh, we know Edelman is there. There really hasn't been a lot of tight end production. Where are the fantasy points coming from New England? Or better yet, are there none coming? I- I've seen Dallas's defense fall apart the last few weeks against virtually every team in the NFL. I- I- is that going to continue this week? This is a-, a fun one if you buy into the road home trends for for certain teams, and, and these two teams sort of fall into that category. Dallas has been bad defensively on the road, uh, especially against some quarterbacks. You know, the, the one that you could sort of circle and say, okay, what happened here was the Jets game. You know, they went into New York, and, and Sam Darnold had a big performance. They just do not seem to play well on the road defensively, and now they're down Vander Esch, so it's going to be even more of a struggle for them, I think. Uh, Brady has not played well on the road, but he's back at home first time since week eight, and he's been 21 or more fantasy points in every home game so far this year. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. It's where is it going to come from? Um, Edelman will get his numbers. I think James White, you know, is something that, you know, has been a little bit of a frustrating situation really for the entire Patriots backfield because whenever Rex Burkett has played, the numbers have been way down for White and certainly for Sonny Michel. But uh, Dorsett still has a chance to play. You know, he, he, if he clears the concussion protocol, he could be out there and help without Sanu there. But the two young kids are, are certainly worth looking at in Nikhil Harry and, and Jacoby Myers. And so, you know, both guys had to play last week after the injuries to Sanu and to uh, and, and to Dorsett, and for Harry, it was his first game. So I think, you know, the Patriots, they want to try and get him going. Um, you know, you can certainly have some fun talking about the what if Antonio Brown does come back after the rumors are starting to, you know, heat yeah. up again this week. Uh, but they don't have him this week, and so is is this the uh, the week to get Harry going with, uh, you know, a 6-7 target performance? Is it going to be, okay, Jacoby Myers has been the guy since the preseason, so he's the one that's going to benefit in terms of the uptick in targets. I would take a flyer on either guy if you have an roster spot to play with because if one takes off with Sanu, like you said, expected to miss several weeks, then that could be something that you could ride a little bit when the schedules, you know, is what it is. And, and, and again, they face the Texans next week, the Patriots do. So I don't think you want to use the game against the Colts as, a, as an idea of how the, the Texan secondary is. So, um, But I, I think this is an opportunity for one of the two young kids to step up, and I would probably lean toward Harry just based on what the investment has been in all right, there he is, Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports, cbsports.com. Catch him over there on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and everybody who's listening. All right, there it is, Jamie Eisenberg with us. We'll take a quick time out. Coming up next, it is the two-minute warning. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? And yes, we are one week away from the biggest shopping day of the year. 
not in fantasy sports. We're talking about Black Friday. But unfortunately, Black Friday has changed quite a bit. And next week on the show, Joe and I are going to share some of our favorite Black Friday shopping stories. So make sure you stay tuned to that. For me, why is it disappointing? Because it's just so easy to buy things online nowadays. But I would tell you this, if there's ever one day where you wanted to give back to some of these mom and pop stores, the brick and mortar stores that have kept alive and been alive down your street for 40, 50 years, make this Friday the day that you do that. That'll do it for the show and that'll do it for the week. I will be back with you next Monday, this coming Monday for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today with Joe Pizzapia. For my guest, Jamie Eisenberg, for my producer, Sean Glostamachia, and for Chris Bravona helping out, my name is Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next, and I will talk to you Monday at noon. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.